So, welcome back to the closing session of our retreat. We're going to just start with five, a five-minute sit in case some people come later and also to just settle back in because we all know the last uh, few hours of a retreat are often quite kind of mind starts already uh, leaning very heavily into the future, which is very natural, but just not necessarily, you know, kind of running with that, just uh, being conscious being aware of it and choosing to stand there in the river as uh, Laura was speaking yesterday, you know, standing in the river, having your feet on the riverbed and allowing the flow. So, you know, for the next 20 minutes, uh, Laura and I want to take each 10 minutes to, you know, bring our thoughts about, you know, synopsis of the retreat. So I have been speaking, you know, a few times about mentioning the word Yonisomanasikara, which, you know, in English would be meaning something like thorough, wise, radical attention or contemplation of our present moment experience. And it has the word yoni in it, which means muvumb or origin, source, which means, you know, coming back to our raw present moment experience and then 
you know, through the teaching, starting to see, you know, what we are adding to that experience. And uh, for Vipalasa is one of the countless lists in this teaching, you know, which help us to look at particular features of our experience and to start to discern what is really happening right now and what is extra. What are we bringing to the situation? And that way of practicing, you know, develops uh, wisdom and compassion or also wisdom and faith. They are both, you know, most um, important ingredients for our practice. And the uh, Pali word for wisdom is Panya. And uh, it's an active quality. So Panya is not a body of knowledge, you know, that we have read all of the books and know on which page number we can find the Vipalasa. But Panya is an active quality. It's like the sharpness of a knife blade for example so when we bring that sharpness to an experience we can discern and uh, it's like sensing truth and significance in an experience and recognizing that which is real and uh, you know, we already have that to a certain degree, otherwise he wouldn't even have uh, bothered to come on this retreat. There is already there that recognition of that which is real. And obviously, you know, you want to know more. You want to train more. You want to hear more. So it's a particular intelligence, a sensitivity and clarity, intuition, which is honed and trained through spiritual practice. And that's a, a realization which comes through understanding our personal experience. And then there is a sada or confidence or sometimes also translated as faith. And that's more like the weight of the knife blade. So if a knife blade is very flimsy, even if it's very sharp, it can't really cut through heavy duty things. So that allows the insight to spread out throughout our lives, the faith and the confidence. So that we are, you know, living it, that we are being that wisdom and that we are becoming that wisdom by exercising it into our lives, having that courage, having the faith to really live to what we know to be true. And that's the actualization the uh, letting go into it. So there's the sharpness of wisdom and the weight of faith or confidence and the two work together. And then, you know, our life starts to change. And the four Vipalasa are, you know, four tools of a toolkit which support us to look at our experience in a certain way and then you know discern what's happening and then live, live accordingly so first you know it's just uh, information which you know is written on a piece of paper or you hear somebody saying it then through that hearing it becomes your knowledge which you then you know bring to your life and then through experiencing it 
in your own life it becomes an intuitive understanding and then from there you know through practice it becomes an intuitive wisdom it becomes part of the way how you are living and seeing and and approaching your life and you know another way is you know you are really starting to know what you are not I was speaking I think yesterday about the, the clouds and the sky you know then there is that confidence yes you know the mind is actually the sky limitless openness and all the of the mind states all of the sense experiences are like the clouds you know moving through they are not different from the sky but somehow you know there is is a coming together of causes and condition if there is a cloud in the sky there is a reason for it so um you know having that confidence to always you know step back out from identification with the cloud step back out from the contraction and that's with the knowing you know that there's nothing bad about the contraction nothing wrong about it but it is limits us if we are you know holding on to that because there's a difference between knowing that a cloud is there and becoming that that cloud you know and that's what we are you know learning through personal experience that we can actually you know step out from identification and still be you know sister santa cheetah with her passport and you know showing up here on on zoom and everything but for that you know i don't need to completely get lost in that identity can hold it lightly and it's about that holding it lightly you know which this um, framework besides many other frameworks helps us to be able to do that you know if sada or confidence and faith fully responds to panya to wisdom that full response you know becomes more and more possible through training and you know letting go of me so to say and give myself to the path more and more and uh, you know something opens up through that through that wise and radical reflection like you know when you have been walking with a pair of shoes which are very tight and then you come back home and take off that shoe it's like wow what a blessing you know being i'm sure you have experienced that you know having that bigger being living in a bigger world really and that comes through this radical and wise reflection on internal states and on external situations and you know it liberates us from this mistaken identity into a bigger life and then you know we start to realize that we are much vaster and much tougher than what we originally thought and that's of course you know a, a, a long-standing process and uh, it's a training it's not gonna come like immediately but 
if we have this uh, teaching and all the three refugees and the five precepts and for example you know the uh, reflection on the four vipalasa that means you know, we are going in that direction of opening up our lives because we are opening up our minds and our hearts and now you know i'm handing over to laura and then after that, I will come back and speak a little bit about some suggestions, how we can do that in our lives. Thank you, sister. I've uh, not spent a lot of time in the last few years with Sister Santa Cheetah. We, we had a bit of time together at the beginning of the year and uh, just remembering her energy and <laughs> what it's like to be with her and enjoying and appreciating that. So what I had in mind to share with you was some of the things we may have touched in terms of how we're with what we're with. And I was especially thinking of these conditions of retreat where we have this opportunity to slow down and simplify. And then as we transition out of retreat, inevitably things get a little more complicated for us. We have more contact, more stuff going on. And what I can find helpful when things get more complex is having some simple reference points to remember what brought me back to the present moment. And so one of the things we've been talking about during the retreat is our attitude, such a big player. So having an attitude that whatever we're experiencing, whatever mind state, whatever body state, whatever tensions in the body or even joyous experiences, that everything belongs, everything is relevant and worthy of our attention. It's like we don't have to be over there. <laughs> we can be exactly where we are. Such a simple but... Uh, important thing to to remember because when we're in these vipalasa we're evaluate there's an evaluative process going on the whole time about how i am how the other is how the world is uh, and when we bring in this quality of openness this attitude of openness that already is a shift. That's already a shift from being in that matrix, that dynamic of projections to making it a little bit objective by including everything. And then from that, uh, we've been inviting this uh, quality of attention that's really receptive, that's gently curious and connecting and meeting where we are. 
And that from that place, with these uh, uh, teachings being like a frame of reference, and we can check our experience by them. So these four vipalasa. And we can see what feels true for us in the moment. Does this, does this is how it really is? Is this how it operates? And then the experience of seeing itself starts to have a transformative impact on us. It's, inter- it's sort of interesting that our patterns can run our mind when they're below the threshold of consciousness. And when we see them, they already lose some of their power and hold over our mind. So like that uh, image I shared of the magician and seeing his tricks, it's like that. So it's somehow a law of nature, if you like, that seeing is the trump card. Seeing prevails over not seeing. So it's like a light in the dark room dispels the darkness. So we can sort of develop a certain trust in seeing. And initially we might uh, bring in the posture, if you like, of receptivity and openness, but we don't see clearly yet. There isn't an insight there. Maybe it still looks a bit unclear or there's there's a, a lot going on. And so it's how to, again, just meet exactly where we are and notice, ah, this is what unclarity feels like. Well, this is what doubt feels like not quite knowing, not quite seeing, or the busy the mind feeling quite full and quite busy. So that attitude of everything belongs, we're noticing even the more uh, subtle in-between states that often arise because our mind is constantly active with these vipalasa. And so the other quality we've been inviting in and touching is the quality of compassion. And I like to think of compassion in its, in a simple sense of a quality of coming alongside experience as it is. It's like, a, a, it's like when you're accompanied by a friend who allows you to be exactly as you are. It's like that quality of quietly listening and sensing. It's, it's almost like how the heart listens to our experience. The compassion is so important together with understanding. There's an image I like 
you may have seen these little statuettes or these pictures of Kuan Yin. Kuan Yin is the goddess of compassion, China, Chinese Buddhism, Tibetan Buddhism. And she's often riding a dragon. Or ride, oh, she's on the back of a turtle. She's on the she's kind of riding at some sort of primordial creature. And sometimes you can feel these uh, patterns of conditioning we have. They almost have a you can almost feel like they have a power over us, they kind of take over. It's not that we choose for them to arise or run the mind, but it's just the power of the momentum of conditioning. And Kuan Yin, as she represents the quality of compassion, she's not trying to suppress or control that energy. It's almost like she is harnessing it and riding it. So she's uh, transforming it through compassion. She's freeing it from the structures of the scaffolding of conditioning. So I think that's all I'll share for now. And I'm going to pass back to Sister. And now we're each going to share some suggestions about supports for further practice in your lives. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Laura. And Diana, this uh, the realization of wisdom and the actualization of bringing it in our life through really having faith and confidence in the wisdom we have already seen for ourselves. That's an intertwined process. Well, these are two intertwined processes. And uh, the Dhamma response to us through our life circumstances. So when I said, you know, I think over the course of the retreat, Opanaiko is one of the qualities of the Dharma leading onwards. You know, the, the path is quite mysterious and I'm sure all of us have had some glimpses of that mystery, you know, that things sometimes are coming together in ways we could have never manipulated. And, and that also pertains to the challenges, you know, because the challenges are there to actually support us. And the longer we're on the path, I think the more we have that capacity to see the challenges just as innate, you know, part of the path. The obstacles are not in the way, but the obstacles are the way. And they really help us to see our blind spots, help us to, you know, get more intimate with certain patterns, you know, which we are bringing into our experience. And so this liberation arises from both from physical and mental activities conjoined. So really, you know, living what we know to be true, that's really important. That is the key you know which opens up our lives and because through that we let go of ballast and we arrive at an ever greater perspective you know if you're gonna 
wanna go with a balloon, you have to let go of the ballast and you slowly but surely, you know, have a bigger picture when you look down, when you look back down on the, where you come from. And that bigger picture, you know, it's one of the four Brahma Viharas, Upeka, equanimity, equilibrium, you know, being able to take in the whole picture. And, you know, one way how that, you know, letting go of ballast can happen is to simplifying our lives, of course, saving energy, so to say, you know, not only electricity or fossil fuels, but also our own energy by not getting caught up in so many things and, and, and making clear priorities. There are some things, you know, which we need to uh, stay with because it's our responsibility, but there's other things where we might be able actually to make some choices. And what I personally find very helpful also for practice is, and I've had it since the very beginning, is, you know, to have a, some kind of a shrine or an altar or like a, a space, you know, where you can express your individual approach to truth, where you might have some pictures of some teachers, some beautiful object of art, for example, a Kuan Yin statue, some flowers, or I always like to have a candle burning and I use incense also a lot. So to make that, you know, your own special, you know, symbolic kind of a cockpit, you know, for your practice. And then as you go along with your practice, things will change, you know, certain teachers will drop away and new teachers will come and, and the, the shrine can express that where you are right now. So that I find that very, very helpful. And every time I walk by, you know, it, it kind of, it reminds me of that which is precious to me, of that which is valuable to me. And then ideally, you know, to have like a permanent place for sitting. And if you can't have that because of your circumstances, uh, you know, at least um, always maybe sit in the same place because that really can help you know, to um, get settled a bit quicker. The, the, the familiarization, you know, is, is one word how we can translate the word gom, um, it's called in Tibetan, that's the word for meditation, actually means to become familiar, or in the Pali language, it's, it's, um, doesn't come to my mind right now the word but maybe later <laughs> so you know uh, becoming familiar and having like a certain kind of a routine even if it's only you know visual you know that you have a certain place and when you come to that place the body responds so this is, you know, the tricks I have been using a lot in my life. I'm very, you know, I'm very have inclination towards art. And I have really used that for my practice. Because it has really been, you know, oiling the wheels for me 
to use uh, symbolism to get me into the zone, you know. So that's one thing which is really important for me. And uh, yeah, and have also nature kind of on the shrine displayed, you know. A reminder that our body is only borrowed from nature. And you know, we have to give something back. Or at least I want to give something back for that, you know, pay my dues, so to say. And by, by doing the practice, I feel like that's what I'm doing. Feel a sense of um, your responsibility, really, that I do what I can to realize that, you know, which is true. And at the same time, I also benefit from it, you know, because, uh, you know, the realization of truth is the medicine against, uh, you know, dukkha. And uh, I'd like to end with a saying by Sri Nisargadatta Maharaj, an Advaita Vedanta master, which you might have heard, but it's so beautiful, I, I say it again anyway. When I look inside, I see that I'm nothing, which means emptiness. And when I look outward, I see that I'm everything, that is love. And in the Buddhist context, it would be the four Brahma Viharas. Between these two, my life flows. Wisdom and the Brahma Viharas. And these are, you know, the ingredients for responding from a place of openness towards our own inner experience and towards all that, you know, which meets us from the so-called external world, which ultimately doesn't really exist. So I hand over to Laura. Thank you. So I feel as if I'm going to shift the gear a little bit. Uh, what I wanted to share with you uh, was something I experience in my, my own practice. I've experienced since the beginning. And I'm guessing and imagining some of you will be able to rate, relate to this. And it is the experience that the engagement with my practice, the interest in it, the living in alignment with it, varies. Certain causes and conditions, I see you're, I see you're nodding. And there's something helpful about, uh, again, uh, watching the inner judge come in with our practice. When the inner judge is governing our practice, it usually dries up. So that sense of should, however well-intentioned it may seem, has really got behind it a sense, well, I should really be over there. I should be uh, manifesting some 
idea of what my life should look like as a practitioner or as a human being. So allowing the fact that there's this ebb and flow, there's these places that where we meet resistance, boredom, doesn't make sense in the same way. And it's right seeing those like more like layers rather than going in the wrong direction. Because there'll be a reason why we've lost interest or why it's not so alive for us in this moment. So I'm just flagging that <laughs> to make it okay in a way. And those, those mind states that in them of themselves of boredom, even aversion or resistance, are just really valuable places to, to meet and connect within ourselves. It's like there's our life energy caught for some reason. And uh, I think there's a element of that that's to do with the dynamic with our sense of truth what feels true for us it sounds quite a loaded thing is you know truth can seem very ultimate statement but there's a sense where we feel a resonance with truth or what feels true for us uniquely in this moment And however good any teacher is, it's in a sense they're sharing from their experience of knowing and understanding. And because we're all unique, yours will be different from that in some way. And I think there's a certain point on the path that comes quite soon where it's so valuable to try and allow ourselves to trust our own uh, sense of things, our own um, compass. So sensing back over this few days, it'll be a unique experience for each of you. There may be even some of you where it doesn't, it's not resonated, you know, it's not rung your bell, and that's fine. I remember sitting in a meditation once, actually with a teacher I really resonated with and really liked most of the time, and most people in the community thought this person was really great. And I was sitting there and I'm feeling just completely closed, completely resistant. And I yeah, had to work a bit with not judging that reaction and then just allowing it. For some reason, I just felt really closed. So I just want to say that if any of that's come up for any of you during this retreat, that is completely okay. There'll be some truth for you in that. So... Just sensing back over the retreat, 
And if you would like to, one thing I would like to suggest and I find helpful is if there's been something that you, through your own practice, have seen or understood or has kind of landed with you in terms of the teaching, just make a note of that. Even if you never read that journal, there's something about revisiting it and making it conscious that allows the impression it's made on your consciousness to land a little more fully. Something you've, that's ripened for you. And um, just over the course of this day, something I'd like to suggest is there's a, there's a valuing the transition. So allowing the change and being curious about the effect of the change. So the moment-to-momentness that may have come to some degree through the to the retreat will probably change and uh, will kind of be opening up to a wider faster current in the stream and you can sort of be curious about what kind of awareness is like a wider lens on a camera lens can can sense that Rather than I've lost my awareness, as soon as we remember, then awareness is back again. So in that sense, it's not making what we experience the most important thing, but gently developing this ability to notice. So often we evaluate our practice on the what, but actually really valuing any moment we reconnect, we actually... uh, grow awareness in our lives. So finally, I have uh, put on the notice board a list of websites, including the monasteries in the UK, uh, also the uh, exercises, the bodywork linked to that and some recommended books that align with what we've been teaching. And uh, I imagine Sister Santachita will share some of her resources from Monastery in the States and Dharma resources she's got, she has access to. Oh, yes, I <laughs> there's something else. I I thought to share a a short piece I've written on a teaching called the five spiritual faculties that because we haven't haven't talked about them explicitly, but we have mentioned several of them in the course of this teaching. So this is just two sides which describes each faculty. And together, these five qualities are the experience of awareness. So might be helpful as something that will be there. 
So, so we wanted to end with a little bit of a sitting. Thank you all. <laughs> really appreciate that. So lovely to hear your voices in the space as well. So, sister, would you, shall we sit now and then we can say a little bit about the next part of yeah. the morning? Yeah, so we'll just sit for five minutes and then we'll share a little bit with you about what we have in mind. Yeah. When we next come together. Coming back to your body and, you know, allowing the mind to rest on the body, just like the body rests on the cushion or on the chair. coming towards the end this sitting merge in your own time feel free to stretch if you'd like to So I'd like to invite you to do something we did at the very beginning of this retreat. And that's just to take a few moments, take your time and just gently just glance through, seeing the others here.
So when I saw who was coming on this retreat, recognized many names from different parts of my life. Some from my time as a nun living in the monastery, some from being at Gaia House living in Totnes, and some from online. And just uh, sensing this uh, support of practicing together. So in a way, it's, it's uh, partly the familiarity of familiar faces coming together, and it's also that simple sense of practicing together. That even over such a short time, you can feel this quality of community. So it's quite amazing, even though we're in little, in little boxes. <laughs> We're together in a, you can feel in a certain way. And um, one thing I thought to suggest was as this closes and as we're not quite there yet, but when we come to the end, be a little bit curious about that felt sense of community. See if it actually does end when you leave the meeting. See what that's like for you. Because there's a way uh, we practice where we are touching into a lineage that's been practicing for a very long time. It's like we touch into a stream. So I wanted to take the opportunity to thank the people who have supported this uh, endeavor. Uh, particularly Anne. Are you here, Anne? Is she here? No, I think she is she here. Can't see her. Oh, I am here. I'm <laughs> next to you on my on my screen. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Not obviously paying attention very well. There you are. And uh, James, James is at the top on my screen. And D, D on the next screen. It's D here. Don't think D could be at this last session. She's working. Yeah. So they've uh, been supporting us with the hosting, the background. Yeah, I was coming to Andrew. <laughs> Where's Andrew? Andrew, there he is. Hi, Andrew. Hi, everyone. Hi. So Andrew's going to be joining our staff team at Guy House and sadly, Anne will be leaving us. So I'd like to share the blessings of this retreat, particularly with Anne. A little bit sad that she's going, but respect and appreciate all that she's given. 
Yeah. And also Mel, who hasn't been here, but has been very much part of making this retreat happen. And also Sister, for her wisdom and her offerings. Really appreciated. It's when you ordain together and live together for such a long time, you get this sense of being like a sibling. <laughs> Something quite deep. Uh, gets impressed upon consciousness, living together and sharing monastic life together. So it's been really lovely to reconnect with Sister and to teach this together and feel her unique essence coming through. So thank you. And is there anything you'd like to say, Sister, before I invite you to offer us a blessing? Uh-huh. Also, you know, just I want to um, thank the support team, all of the people you just mentioned, Laura, and also, you know, appreciate the opportunity to do something together with you. And that was my first time, you know, teaching for Gaia House. And last month I spent a week with Laura at her place in Totnes, and we also visited Gaia House. I've heard a lot about it over the years. It's one of the very old quote unquote centers you know on the planet really about um, Theravada focused practice and yeah it's it's wonderful to connect up and you know being able to share what I have learned and also you know for me and for Laura to touch in again after such a long time to see how we both have uh, you know, carried it on what we what we got at Amravati in the 90s and uh, yeah, into the third millennium and then we both, you know, left there and went on our different path and now the paths have crossed again and that was really lovely to have that opportunity. So thank you, uh, sis- uh, sister, I say. Sister COVID, that was my name. Thank you, Laura, for making that possible. You know, for um, suggesting that to Gaia House and Gaia House saying yes and, and everyone. Thank you. I just wanted to say a really big thank you from Gaia House to both of you for just offering this teaching online and just, I, I think it's just so appreciated. And um, thank you as well for the personal thanks to all of the team. And I want to repeat that thanks to um to Dee and to Mel and to James who have um just offered so much and to support the retreat so thank you yeah so feeling of gratitude also to you for participating and bringing your energy and willingness and engagement with this process so thank you for that Appreciate it and hope to see you again at some point. So I'd like to invite Sister to do something that's quite traditional from the Theravada tradition. So I know we've stepped out of the culture of Guy House perhaps a fair bit during this retreat, (laughs) you know, more monastic flavor or more, you know, the Pali terms and all of that. So hope that's sat okay with you 
and felt helpful even as part of the vessel, part of the vehicle. And uh, so as part of that, to close with, I'd like to invite Sister to offer a traditional blessing. You can almost see this like a, a ritual sign of the power of what we're doing and how we're not separate and how the blessings of our practice uh, have unseen effects, have unseen, maybe seen ripples out into the world and also into our heart minds. So just a We'd be happy to offer a blessing. That would be lovely. And then we'll just finish with a short sitting after that. And I'll, I'll bring us out to the sitting. Yeah. Okay, thank you. So I'm going to do that short blessing in English, not, not in Pali, so you can understand what is being said. And if you like, you know, you can hold in your heart, mind, the image of a situation or of a person with whom you'd like to share the benefits of your practice with. <clears throat> okay, I wanted to do it in English actually. <laughs> may you have every good blessing, may all the devas protect you by the power of all the Buddhas. May you ever be well, may you have every good blessing, may all the devas protect you by the power of all the Dhamma. May you ever be well, may you have every good blessing, may all the devas protect you by the power of all the Sangha, may you ever be well. And the devas, you know, they are considered in the uh, Buddhist uh, world, they are like what we call in the Christian world the angels, you know, the unseen beings who, you know, you might believe in their existence or not, but doesn't really matter. It's just they are also included in this uh, chanting. So, because, you know, in the in the Buddha's uh, dispensation, it's, it's considered they also come and want to listen to the Dhamma. So we don't know, maybe some of them have been taking part, we'll never know, but why not, you know. Okay, so Laura. So again, let's pause and sit and I'll signal the end. We'll sit for 10 minutes.
allowing yourself to gently emerge. So just at this moment of uh, culture, <laughs> just feel how you'd like to leave. You might like to unmute yourself and say goodbye to the group. You might just like to listen to the goodbyes. You might just like to put a message in the chat. <laughs> you can do that. Uh, or might just like to quietly leave whatever feels right for you and uh, yeah thank you for being here and, uh, yeah thank you everybody thank you for listening to learn how you can support the teachers and dharma seed please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate